Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Parenthood is an amazing journey. It's a bittersweet roller coaster of emotions for many mums and dads, but we can't deny biology. And certainly it's the mums who tend to experience the greater physical and at times emotional ups and downs. As chiropractors, we can certainly assist mums during parenthood, whether it's through providing very valuable chiropractic care or introducing them to various services and resources. Recently, I came across a book, Work Mama Life, From Motherhood Burnout to Abundant Health, Joy and Wellbeing. And this has been written by a chiropractor, Dr. Ali Young. Ali completed her postgraduate pediatric training and currently serves on the ACA ACE Pediatric Committee. She's been a chiropractor for 19 years and works passionately with mothers and children to support their vitality and health choices, both in her practice and online. So I'm delighted uh, to be joined by this bundle of fun that is Ellie Young. Hi, Ellie. Welcome to the ACA podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me today. So maybe we could start just by um, telling our listeners a little about your chiropractic and mum journey. Yeah, I would think my chiropractic journey makes me pretty fortunate because I discovered chiropractic when I was 15 through a personal um, improvement. Like many people, I had sore feet, grew up in a tiny town. We didn't have podiatrists, but we had a visiting chiropractor. So my dad took me to the Cairo. He found a scoliosis, adjusted my spine, never looked at my feet, foot pain went away. It was magical. And so being the smart kid in the country, you're told you can be a lawyer or a doctor And my mum worked in the hospital and I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't like the smell. And so I thought I'd be a chiropractor. So that's how I began my journey, which was a long time ago now, from 40, nearly 43. So a few, few clicks of the sun. And um, I went to RMIT in Melbourne and then moved to Perth and very luckily had a great mentor and eventually started a very family focused practice with my best friend, Olivia Gleason, who had triplets. Wow. So I was yeah. thrust into the observation of mothering in a really different way compared to a lot of people. And in that time, I did my pediatrics master's as well. And um, and then I got married myself after about 10, 12 years in practice and moved overseas with my husband and didn't practice. We were in Malaysia, got pregnant and did not have any of the tick the box moments that I thought I would have. And that's when I really started to notice a shift of expectation and be it patriarchal expectations, built up expectations from my own um, experiences as a child and um, going back into practice after living in Korea as well and trying to juggle all the things that really brought home to me burnout. Wow. And so would you say it was your experience or the experience of your patients that was the main motivation for writing this book? I think the main motivation was a combo. So I had seen, having worked with lots of parents of children with special needs when I was in Perth, 
I saw firsthand how stressing and stressful that could be for them. But then experiencing my own level of burnout, living regionally, trying to juggle the kids, my husband working 60-hour weeks, um, really hit home that if that could happen to me, someone who is very self-aware and did, in inverted commas, all the right things, then it could happen to anyone. And Mm. so that's why I started to write the book. Reflecting on my sort of journey as a practitioner, I think my practice has evolved very much with my stage of life. For example, when we had young children, that's when my sort of pediatric side of my practice seemed to get really, really busy. And and now it seems most of the kids that I see are older, like my kids. Have you always, I mean, you obviously started your pediatric uh, training, your postgraduate training before you had children. Has that always been your focus or do you think it was really sharpened when you became a mum? No, it was definitely sharpened prior. I In uni, I wanted to be a sports chiropractor and um, I worked with the Collingwood TAC Cup team and did all of the sport things, played yeah. high-level sport, moved to Perth with my associate position and walked into a family practice and kind of went, oh, okay, so this is new. And in my first year, I had the pleasure of working with a child with significant cerebral palsy and a brain injury, acquired brain injury. And um, and they changed my perspective on what I needed to know. So I started my peds a year after I graduated. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And I have I've taught pediatric initial consultations to global audiences for chiropractors because it's something I'm really passionate about getting the knowledge and making it happen. And it's the move to the motherhood stuff, I think, which has gone with my stage of life. Yes. Um, yeah, rather than the peds. So speaking about your book and well done on this, it's a terrific read and really easy and um, fun, I would say, to read a bit like your personality. uh, (laughs) Um, As uh, my publisher said, how did you write it? And I said, I imagined I'd had one Negroni, but not three. And she was like, that's exactly how it reads. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Um, So you you talk about matriescence. Um, Can you explain what that is and and why it's good for mums to understand that term? Yeah. So we've all heard of adolescence, and which is that huge hormonal shift that we go through uh, as we go through puberty. Well, matrescence is the same concept. So it used to be only a psychological term, that psychological shift of a woman to a mother. And it was coined back in 1973. And now there is a larger body of research, particularly done in America, that is coming through on both the psychological shift, the way that our brain changes, the grey matter alteration that occurs when we do get pregnant in expectation for looking after a child, and then the hormonal surges that happen afterwards. So they've globally called this matrescence. And you go through a matrescence period with each child, um, which is really interesting as well because we mm. kind of think, well, once we're a mum, we're a mum. Yeah. We, we know the things, but our body still shifts and changes with each pregnancy that we have. I think that would be a great um, reassurance for mums who are going through such um emotional and physical changes to really understand that this is actually a developmental thing and it's not just in their head or it's just the problems that they're having. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more conversations that we have about it, the greater understanding as practitioners, because I feel knowing that, because I did a certification of motherhood studies around this, 
knowing that we can support women in a way that makes them feel safe and particularly after the last two years when the heaviness of things has created a level of hypervigilance, we are in a perfect position to help support their neurology through the chiropractic work but also have a deeper understanding on other ways that we can offer support as well. Now, females tend to be better at expressing their emotions and talking things out than than blokes. Um, but it does seem that even, and, and you sort of highlighted it there with the COVID experience we've had the, the last couple of years, that you know isolation and feeling uh, the weight of society's expectations still does, or still is a prominent factor when with mothers going through this stage of life. Mm, absolutely. There's a phenomena called the intensive mothering experience in the literature. Also, it's called the perfect mother myth. So basically, it's this concept that to be a good mum, we do things a certain way. Mm. And that measure can come from lots of different places. And it depends on the lens with which we view things which we view motherhood so our lens will be skewed by the way we were mothered and if that was a positive or negative experience it will be skewed by the media um instagram and socials whilst it's a great platform to reach people it can be a really tough platform to um take on board the realities of motherhood as well and um and it does create a level of stress of trying to do the right thing all the time and that definition of what is right i think is really important to understand and value within yourself there's a saying and i think it goes something like um that when you have children yourself is the first time that you really forgive your mother um, and it was yeah. interesting you said about how uh, the the way in which you were mothered will will influence the way you mother, of course. What 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 are the important things, I guess, for mums to understand about that connection? I think that we actually have an ingrained generational or intergenerational patterning to our mother. So we will subconsciously reflect on the way our mother was mothered because she will be responsive to that as well. And we do have the epigenetic flow through of those elements we know that if we're a female born if we birth a female then our daughter's ovaries for her child will be inside her already so we know that there is such a huge play with that um but reflecting and giving yourself the space to ask what did I love about the way I was brought up and without judgment what didn't I love? And having a conscious awareness about that can be really huge. And we often go, oh, I sound just like my mother. And and I do that. (laughs) My mum messaged me after she read the book and she was like, oh, so I went, Banshee yelled for dinner, did I? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you did. And I still do that sometimes too. Come inside, dinner's ready. And um, so it's like that kind of stuff as well as the deeper things too. Fantastic. Your book's set out in a very practical way too. So it's um the it's called Work Mama Life, but it's literally broken up into those three sections as well. Can you tell me about uh, how that all works? Yeah. So the first section is work, and that is about us as females and our experience of motherhood and the neurology and the way our brain works and changes when we go through motherhood, and also stress, and has a bit of a deep dive into the roles that. Uh, impacted upon and then the mama section goes heavily into what I call the five pillars of healthy motherhood so the ways that we can nourish ourselves move our bodies sleep well have nice calm thoughts and have connection and the reason that those things matter so the reason 
that it's really important that we stay connected with our girlfriends, not just because it's a nice thing to do to go out for a coffee, but neurologically it makes sense for us to stay connected. Mm. And so into that. And then life is how we make that actually happen in reality. I have lived the hard and I know that I could, I would love to say that I do everything perfectly well every day, but I do not. And being able to pick and choose, listen to your intuition, know what really matters to you that day and how to integrate that into life is essential. So uh, another important element, of course, and in fact, it's in the title of the book is about uh, burnout. Um, what do you think are the common reasons uh, that mums experience burnout and, and what are the signs uh, both for a mum and also for practitioners to be to be looking mm. at for their pregnant or, or mothering um, patients? Yeah, burnout is definitely something that I'm seeing increasing in my practice members and um, and speaking to health professionals across the scope of health. It's high prevalence. Um, and it's the mental load combined with the hypervigilance of the last couple of years, um, probably combined with the decreased movement that we're getting because we are so we couldn't leave our homes for a long time and then maybe that's become a bit of the norm. Yeah. And there's lots of small things, but as a mother, you're carrying on the mental load of keeping your family running and making sure everything happens and remembering that on Wednesday one kid's got a choir rehearsal and the other kid has soccer practice and you've got to get them to the same thing at the same time. Which one can I drop off early? It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, so we know that there's some key indicators of burnout that we can look out for in our mums. And the first one is rage and anger. It's that it's them saying, oh, I just got so angry today. I'm so guilty about it. But, you know, when our tether is short, our bucket yeah. is overflowing with stress, yeah. we're going to get angry. Um, for me and for a lot of mums, it's the weight gain. I gained when I went through burnout 10 kilograms in three months. Wow. And that was just my cortisol bottomed. Like it yeah. just stopped doing what cortisol is supposed to do. Mm. Uh, altered sleep. It's the mums who tell you while they're on the table that they they can fall asleep but they're waking up between two and four and their brain's going and they don't know how to stop it. Mm. It's the mum that is always in a rush and you know, ask her to take that deep breath and she actually can't and doesn't know how. So you sort of put all of that together and you can see, yeah. Mm. Uh, often it's that, like you've sort of alluded to, that self-criticism um, or, 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 you know, uh, talk that you describe in your book as uh, as the mean girl moments and it's not so much that uh, others reflecting onto an individual but how someone reflects on themselves yeah absolutely and we all have that mean girl that lives inside us but if the mean girl becomes the dominant voice then we're in a bit of trouble and we need to find our inner nice girl again <laughs> How do you see, um, and it's interesting in culture and society, uh, often if you look at um, television, it's, it reflects where family values are at. I know when um, I was a, a young, you know, Brady Bunch was, you know, the, the typical you know, three boys, three girls. It was a little chaotic because I, th I think it was, it was obviously a second marriage, so they were sort of probably pushing the boundaries uh, for the yeah. time. And, of course, these days we have, you know, the modern family and um, and a whole different take on what's acceptable and uh, right for, for, for a family dynamic. Um, how do these societal expectations play into mothering? And are we at the point now where do you think um, things are much better and that these sort of uh, examples are supportive for patients or is there still unrealistic and unhelpful pressures? I think there's a lot of unrealistic and unhelpful pressures and a lot of judgment in our parenting. Um, I think 
the openness of conversation that we can now have around the different types of families and the different, in inverted commas, ways that we parent is really, really important. But finding your support system that meets your values can still be really, really tricky. And um, and I, I strongly feel that there is still a lot of patriarchal influence into what mm. makes a good mother. If you look at the advertising on TV, she's always impeccably presented and yeah. she's got dinner on the table and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I can tell you there's plenty of nights where I'm in my tracksuit pants at 6pm and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is for dinner tonight? Yeah. And I'd like... I think there needs to be a bit more of reality. I've had my washing pile shown on news.com.au because I did a post about it and they posted And we're talking five baskets at once. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to fold all of this? Right. And I think yeah. that we need a bit more of that uh, showing up as well. Absolutely. Um, now, you wouldn't be a chiropractor without talking about the nervous system in your book. Um, what are the? You, you've sort of talked briefly about um, uh, matrescence and, and those kind of changes, but what are the key things from a neurological point of view to think about with the changing mother's brain? I think neurologically we need to know that when we get pregnant, the way that our pathways interact and the way that our grey, sorry about my dog if anyone can hear that, <laughs> the way that our grey matter um, moves and changes in expectation for a caring role and we lose an element of that self-care and that narcissism because our brain changes us and wires us to look after the child that's coming yeah, yeah. it's really important and when we become a mum we get often get enmeshed in the mothering and the doing of the mothering yeah. and that forms part of our motherhood experience and what we can do as individuals is actually go well how do I want to be within that and that neurologically is a big ask and and it takes a lot of awareness to get to that point where you can go that's what I want to look like mm. um and, and the way then that that supports your nerve system because if we are functioning in a way that isn't inherently how our body wants us to function, it will create higher levels of internal stress and that will impact on our neurology and our immune function and that sort of thing as well. Uh, it's really interesting when um, I think when it first came out um, and I've just got a mental blank on the Quentin Tarantino's, Quentin Tarantino's famous um, movie. Bill Bill? Kill, no, the one before that. Um Oh, Pulp uh, Fiction? A Pulp Fiction, of course. How did I escape that? <laughs> so, so I remember seeing that with my wife well before we were pregnant at the uh, cinema and just thinking, what a great movie. That was fantastic. And then being heavily pregnant and then um, getting it as a video and just thinking, oh, my God, we can't watch this. This is <laughs> absolutely yeah. horrible. So I think I think there was a bit of a the male change in the brain there as well because I was definitely feeling just that, you know, you're entering such a, a lovely, nurturing, caring stage of life that those kind of images just um, don't sit well with you at all. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because I really wanted to watch The Grey Man that came out recently and it's very heavily gunfire and, right. you know, all that stuff. And and I will happily sit and watch that because I could never picture myself. But my husband, ever since we've had kids, is like, right. oh, it's too much. Can't yeah, do it. Yeah. Can't do it. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I've since watched Pulp Fiction again and enjoyed it. So I've obviously gone yeah. through a change, come out the other end. <laughs> Um, so at the end of the book, you talk about the motherhood revival plan, and I love that it's a revival and not survival. Um, when In wrapping up things today, what would you say would be the three take-home messages you'd like mothers to have in their revival plan? 
I think the three key things are, first of all, I'd love to highlight connection. I really would love mums to prioritise finding time to hang out with other women. Um, Our mirror neurons love it. It releases endorphins. It's a level of oxytocin release. It really supports our body. I would love mums to do something small for themselves every day, drink a little bit more water, have one less cup of coffee, choose a smoothie for breakfast instead of four pieces of toast, something that really supports their system. And I would love mums to hug their kids fiercely and give themselves the permission to stop and be with their family rather than do things with their family. Yeah, that's great advice. Fantastic. Well, look, your book, Work Mama Life from Motherhood Burnout to Abundant Health, Joy and Wellbeing is a really great read. And um, I'd certainly recommend chiropractors to consider having these in, in your practice uh, or giving them as gifts to your really great patients who are um, um, when they give birth to children. So um, not only great for them, but I think great, great for building the reputation of chiropractors, you know, uh, supporting um parents beyond just providing the, the the hands-on care so well done i'm assuming if, if people google this uh work mama yes. life they it'll it'll come up your, your social media yeah. be very effective yeah it's in all the dimmicks it's in the reading stores it's all over new zealand uh so it's very easy to find and i'm about to go to the post office and send a carton to a lismore chiropractor to give away to all of her stressed out mums after a conversation i had with her too because i think it is it's like that kind of thing if we can just give them a little breath of hope that it is going to get better it just makes such a big shift and change well well done ellie great book and thank you so much for your time today thanks for having me on the podcast i really appreciate it well that's it for me thanks for listening i hope the podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence and I look forward to chatting with you again on our next aca podcast